we do the next one will be minus the peel sessions, which we don't talk about. <laughs> it's going to be episode fifty. That's I know. I know we're one away from fifty. I know. Which we're almost fifty years old, or at least you are. Iran is. <laughs> I'm same age as you, motherfucker. So don't, <laughs> so, don't you start that. Don't you start that shit with me. <laughs> all right, all right. We are live. Welcome to the podcast, binge watch podcast. Dot com is is our website. I'm Brian at binge watch. Or uh, hit us on the Twitter sphere as, as long as it's uh, financially solvent at uh, binge watch PC. Um, and what are you underscore underscore beard uh, underscore beard at Paul at uh, at Paul underscore BWPC for politically correct. That's right. All right, let's drain this fucking swamp. <laughs> as they as drain the swamp drain the swamp <laughs> yeah it's, it's catchy it has a nice beat but i can't dance to it so <laughs> so let's uh let's start this off with uh we are on episode brian or i were just talking about this with this is episode 49 this has been going on for nearly a year and a half two years um Gosh, I want to say it's got to be getting close to two years. I'll look that up while you talk. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. So um, Brian is going to put all the the show notes, as he's been doing over on bingewatchpodcast.com. Um, there's been a lot of stuff going on this week. There's been a lot of stuff. There has been celebrities dying like left and right. <laughs> so so I, I've got some stuff uh, queued up in the news uh, that uh, and I've got some YouTube links especially for um, Florence Henderson famous for Wesson Oil <laughs> and yeah. the Brady Bunch um, a theme song for, for the being Brady married Bunch. to a gay guy. Uh, hey, everybody's got to have a beard at that, some point in their life. Right, so um, Fidel Castro died. And he's he has the most famous beard of all. <laughs> True. So, uh, um, very and, hated and very loved. It was it was obviously a dictator and uh, kind of a cocksucker. Um, but there were a lot of people like being pro Fidel. It was funny to watch the stu- the articles. Anytime yeah. anybody would say something good about him or whatever, then you'd have the people pile on. Anything somebody said bad about him, uh, other people would pile on. So it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, it it it's um I mean, he lived he was uh, he was born in 1926, died in 2016. At least that's what they tell us. Oh. Who knows? <laughs> I can't wait for infowars.com to get old. He's still alive with Hitler. <laughs> so I have been watching way too much of infowars.com and Alex Jones show. Um, oh, it's in as fuck, man. With, uh, you know, everything's been going on, and God, that, that dude, like every, maybe out of a 30-minute episode, there's one thing that I'm like, I totally agree with you, dude. Totally agree with you right there. And the rest of the stuff is fucking crazy. Dude, he he 100% knows what he's doing. Yeah. He is uh, the PT, he is like uh, the PT Barnum of the web for our age. He knows exactly what he's doing, exactly what he's spinning. He spins up all this conspiracy stuff, and he just puts in just enough stuff that's like, yeah, I sort of know what you're talking about, to like keep him just off of the fringe list. Yeah. 
and he's he's still on the fringe list, but it's like it's entertaining. I'll I'll listen to some Infowars. I like seeing Man. where his head's about to explode. Yeah, it's like it's like that whole thing when you go out to the uh, the pumpkin patch fields in right. October. It's like agritainment. That's what Infowars is. And I love how it's he's like, probably gained seventy five pounds, and he's not a big dude. But he's always talking about like when he's hawking his vitamins and stuff. That um, yeah. I lost so much weight doing this two drops of this thing. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, he's got like nine necks and he looks like a thumb. Hey, he used to be Job of the Hut. I mean, <laughs> true. Brother, brother, brother slimmed down a little bit. I mean, come on. <laughs> yep, I didn't mean to digress onto Alex Jones, but I've, I've been watching quite a bit of him. Yeah, it's um, like I said. We talked about this before. Trump, no matter what Jill Stein, is proxying for the Clintons to try to overturn it. It's not going to happen. It's going to the next four years is going to be really entertaining. And I know that he's starting. He's putting a lot of conservative people in cabinet positions. I think it's not going to be as doom and gloom as people are th- saying well, it's, it's just going to be it's going to be more to the right it's all right it is well the the people that he's put in power are the exact same people he said he wouldn't put in power um, yeah there's there is no draining of the swamp yeah they're all hedge fund managers and what's funny is the guy and i can't remember the guy's name and i'm not going to look it up but uh, one of the guys uh, he he Munchen? he worked for soros for like ever and yeah. and he was uh uh at the uh he worked for the Rothschilds. <laughs> I was like, that's exactly who you said you were against dude, is all those dude. Soros and the Rothschilds, and then you got dude. one of their main guys working with you. Dude, everybody ultimately works for the Rothschilds. <laughs> if you watch InfoWars, you should know this. <laughs> I know. We're just a cog it's in the all, machine, man. It's all a vast conspiracy going back to the Rothschild family, back in the, the five brothers that went to start banks in Europe. Oh, and all that stuff. So, yeah. So it's going to be great TV. Um, the thing I think I like about Trump the most is he does not give a fuck what people think. No. no. And even more so now, it's like, I'm fucking president <laughs> elect. Every, like, everybody's oh, eating it up. All just like, I was just watching uh, um, something on the you, young young you Turks. See, uh, how all the see, Democrats are bowing down to him. Yeah, did you see uh, Mitt Romney's Walk of Shame? Oh, oh, and that's burn. something I don't get. Like, obviously Mitt Romney's a billionaire. Go he's do whatever not, he wants. He's, he's, he's not a billionaire. He's a uh, he's worth maybe net worth about like six hundred million. So yeah, it's, I mean, insanely rich, but he put himself out there to really dog out Donald Trump, and now the tables turned. It's like I, Trump could shut him down, completely shut him down now. For what? I mean, he's already got that money. It's not like he can go in and take his money away. But it, it exactly right. But it's prestige. It's prestige that he talked all this shit, and then Trump can just cut him out of everything. Everything. It's like, oh, well, I'll see you later, man. I'm going to be over here with the people that thought I was cool. (laughs) You know, it's because, I mean, President of the United States, he's got a ton of pull now. He's got so much leverage, and now Mitt Romney's sitting over there with his, 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 doing the white rabbit thing with his, 
his empty pockets. <laughs> He's like, oh, I didn't mean it. What is, <laughs> it the, was so funny. The it white rabbit so thing funny. is where you kiss the rabbit, right? <laughs> You're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Trump is making him do that, and he's having to suck it up and do it because he knows it's like because he's he has to think about his family down the road, and now Trump is on top. Well, that ain't gonna last long. All right, let's do some fucking media talk here. Oh, what's his uh, name? So, Barney Fife guy died. Uh, uh, Ron Glass. Yeah, let's. Uh, if you could, let's uh, let's run down that that because that hit me pretty hard because. He was 70 years old, and he was in great shape. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ron Glass, um, if you could roll down and play uh, the Barney Miller theme song for us. Is this uh, another raw interview? It's uh, Rip Ron Glass. It's a Barney Miller theme song. Oh, it's the link right after that? Yeah. Dun-dun-dun. And it's much, the intro is much deeper than I remembered it in my mind. That base? Yeah, no, it's uh super super cool. Here we go. And they do the whole freeze frame thing on Hal Linden and everything. And the twin towers are in the background. So obviously ISIS is involved somehow. Yeah, thanks, Isis. Thanks, 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 Obama. Nice fro, <laughs> Mr. Glass. Nice fro. Oh, and uh, he was a practicing Buddhist, and he uh, had a great reputation in the industry, and everybody just loved working with him. Yeah. And I, re- I definitely remember him. You know, guys our age remember him from reruns in the '70s on Barney Miller. But where the biggest impact he had on me was in the one season of Firefly from Joss Whedon. Um, and if you could go and play, there's another thing down there. Um, it's called Special Hell from Episode 6 of Firefly, Our Mrs. Reynolds, uh, where uh, uh, Mal, has, they've picked up a passenger, and she is a... Uh, a, a very young Anjune and Shepherd Book. He's a, 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 a spiritual mentor on the show, and he uh, he reads uh, Mal Reynolds' uh, uh, the Riot Act gently. Preacher, you got a smutty mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I love this. And it's just the cuts, too, is that how he looks around the corner and you just see the look on his face before he slides out of the way. Yeah. Yep, it's definitely going to be missed, man. I'll have Maybe I'll have to rewatch Firefly for the 45th time here pretty quick. Uh, I absolutely love that series. And we talked about that before on the podcast, is that it's one of those shows that it had a series, it had a movie, and it has a ton of comic books following it up and there's firefly comic it, I, books yeah oh yeah oh yeah that, i did not and, know and it is one of those things that uh, it, and it's the same sort of pattern that happened with buffy is that buffy had a much longer run of course um but it has a whole 
But in reverse, tar- right? Because Buffy started off as a comic book, then a movie, then a TV series. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, the thing I like about uh, about Firefly is that Fox. We talked about that before, like early on in the podcast. Is like Fox takes things, doesn't play them in the right order, fucks everything up, but Joss still comes out on top. That he has this little un- universe that he made. And there, there are like, there are conventions for Firefly still. It has this huge cult following, and they, it got ended with one season. But I think one season was enough. No, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I would have definitely loved to have gone, but it's probably the strongest one season show that's ever been, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and the the thing about what happened in the Serenity movie is that. Uh, Shepard uh, uh, Ron Glass's character got killed off mm-hmm. and Wash got killed off mm-hmm. and because Joss knew that there was no chance it was going to go on and he was like you know how do you make an impact I we're going to kill some main characters gotta kill some motherfuckers and it was it was so uh, the shocking thing and it it at least the initial reports for uh, Ron Glass is that it was, I mean, he was 70 years old, so that's a long life. But it was respiratory dis- distress, and there was a, an interview at a convention a couple of years before in 2014, and the dude, he is ripped. Mm-hmm. He's got, yeah. he is, he's in great shape. He was a Buddhist. He took care of himself. And, you know, when your time's up, it time's up. That is the triple truth. Ruth. I, I saw in here on the link the uh, thing about the CNN hardcore porn. That was fake, right? They didn't actually run no. it? No, that was not fake. It was an affiliate uh-huh. that um, they was supposed to be running CNN, and it just ran in that region. Right. And it was like one of those things that where you know where you get on packages where, oh, you can get porn too just have to and they yeah, somebody accidentally ran it so there you go well it says on, on the, i'm just clicking through on this link it says that cnn and R, rcn reported it's it's false and then there's a claim on here we may have been the ones to mess up right at is the only source for this there's some tw- somebody tweeted it is the only source of the story and we yet being able to find evidence but I did see this, and this made it onto a bunch of web or uh, major news sites. Um, then it just goes on the, uh, and then it goes on. Well, we all mess up every now and then. It's totally okay, but someone is probably gonna get fired. I don't know. It goes back and forth in this article, so I can't tell if it was fake or really happened or what. But anyway, it was all over that. <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. <laughs> yeah, and it, and even if it wasn't true. It's funny how something like that can take a life of its own. It's like when articles on the Onion suddenly people are like reporting it for like real, real deal news. <laughs> it's like uh, that's not real, brother. <laughs> There's no such thing as fake news. Hey, have you heard heard the term now? After all this, I can't remember if we talked about this before. Um, post truth. We're in the post truth era. Era. Where it doesn't matter if it's true or not, it's like how you can get it out and uh, get people yeah. to believe it or not. 
Yeah. I thought that, that's like, an interesting term. Well, it's like that how they're after uh, Trump won is that now they're suddenly a whole bunch of stuff that's fake news sites. It's like, well, what? Of course there is stuff. I get that. But now it's like, man, there's, it's like the biggest batch of sour grapes is being handed out. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like it didn't turn out the way we thought it was, Madam President. <laughs> and now people are just, just frothing at the mouth trying to find a place it's not russia it's not russia it's russia (laughs) it's russia it's that well it's just it turned out that he had the whatever insight that he had to focus on where people are hurting and it's middle america and it worked yep and the, the the democrats took things for granted and thought she was a shoe-in and from the inside emails all those wikipedia links on those emails is that they was planning to use trump as a pied piper candidate and assuming that he would just get just just bowled over and it burned him now he's our lord and master the other thing i thought in the uh notes i thought that was cool and i did read this article um saw this posted on facebook today um the Netflix downloads. Yeah. Did, what I didn't did get in there and read it. How long when you once you download it? How long do you have it saved? Let me take a look at that real quick. Um, hold on one second. Where's uh, la, 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 la. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Because of course I I pulled up the uh, the last person born in 1899 <laughs> as a link. So hold on a second. That was Ron. Ron was born in 1899. He's not. He is not here to defend himself. You cannot do that to See, him. That's why it's even better. God damn it! Hold on a second. Google. Okay, hold on a second. So the thing you're talking about is that Netflix has finally allowed has finally said oh okay let's uh let's uh let's do this um it's launching offline playback uh for uh many of your favorite streaming series and movies so it's not saying all (laughs) so um right now the selection seems to be limited to stuff made by netflix like stranger things the crown narcos orange is the new black so it looks like it's going to be limited just to the stuff, their own content. Cool. Yeah. yeah what, and, the one that, uh, so I guess if that sort of makes sense, because what I was offline playback is going to be available for all streaming plans. And, um, it looks like it's just going to be for their own content. Yeah. Cause what I figured people would do is download it. Like, let's say your favorite TV show or your favorite, movies about to be taken off of netflix i figured people would then download it save it to whatever hard drive you can save it to i guess i don't know how that would work um and then uh you know have it forever an extended period of time past when netflix was licensed to show it so i figured that that would cause some a lot of weirdness yeah so that makes total sense that they would do it with their own content because they don't have to worry about those restrictions of rolling on and rolling off cool yeah so 
what do you want to talk about next? We have, uh, I think we should talk a little bit about Florence Henderson. At least play the Brady Bunch theme, theme song, and then that's it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I watched the shit out of that in the 70s, man. I know. Back in the day, man. I love me some Brady Bunch. Although, it's uh, fairly terrible if you try to go back and watch it now. Oh, it's just like anything. It's like trying to go back and watch original X Files. Like, ah, <laughs> like you can't do it. So there's a link down there. Are you playing it? Yep. To tell me. That's why I'm dancing. Like their mother of a lovely lady. It's got a funky baseline to it as well. Oh yeah. And they had hair of gold like their mother. So it's a very, very much a, like a very Stormfront family. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're a bunch of, uh, 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 what do they call them? Uh, the, the Nazi all youth. Right. Yeah, all, all, they're a bunch all of alt-right right kids. <laughs> I love it. All right, man. So all, what? Alt-white is alt-right. <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, a quick mention, uh, not a lot to talk about it. So, the um, the three guys that got fired off of um, Top Gear, or the one guy that got fired, and two guys that left for the oh, BBC, the, uh, the Grand Tour. The Grand Tour is now live and active on um, Amazon. It's so oh shit! I want to watch that. Yeah. So the first two episodes are up. It's good. I really dig it. Um, it's similar enough that you have that kind of like what you're looking for. Plus there's a lot of new stuff and they know that, um, they're trying a lot of new, uh, little bits and stuff. So some of us is going to work and some of it isn't. So it's going to take them a season or two probably, but I think they're on, I think they signed up for five seasons. Um, Oh wow. Yeah. But, uh, it was, it was cool. The first episode was pretty cool. That made basically, making fun of themselves a lot, making fun of uh, the stuff, and they're traveling. They've essentially uh, have a, their set is this huge tent that they can travel around the world and do it. Like the one was at Burning Man, and then the second one is in uh, Johannesburg. Um, so they're going to travel the world and do the show um, sort of live from all over the – it won't be live broadcast, but they're going to do a different episode in each each country, and the, the, the episode is – unique to that country and stuff so it's pretty cool excellent excellent um i am looking forward to seeing that and i have prime so uh, i will definitely check that out you talked about that i think about like two or three podcasts ago yep and uh i think those guys are hilarious i love them on uh top gear so i am uh Definitely checking it. And it's it's so funny how all that stuff shook out, all that brouhaha about that, and it's like it turned out to be nothing but great for them. Right. Yeah, so, so I was pumped, and it's on, and I'm watching it, and I'm digging it, and it's cool to see them back doing their thing. I will check it out this this uh, next couple of weeks. Um, did, have you gone to see the new uh, Harry Potter movie? No, I'm not really a big Harry Potter fan. I l- watched them all with the kids when they were growing up. And, I mean, this seems very much in the vein. And they, they're not even really interested in going and seeing it. So they haven't really mentioned it. So um, Yeah. Uh, and that sentiment, because I, I read the books. I love the books. I Of the original Harry Potter books. And 
we went, uh, you know, we went as a family to see the movie, and, and it was felt a little bit long and a little bit stretched out. The creatures, animated creatures, were amazing. The story felt felt super thin, mm. and it felt like I was sitting there, and I'm impatient as fuck with movies that are too long. And it felt like they could have easily trimmed like 30 minutes out of that thing. Yeah. And to me, is like they're just cashing in, and there's supposed to be five more of these. What? Yes. There are going to be five more in this, in this version of the universe, which happens in America. And um, I don't know. I don't know what to think. It's just um, it feels like... I'm like five, so six. It used to be that, like franchises, like okay, we have to have three films. That's a that's that's the thing. Now it's it's got to be, it's got to be six. Oh, now they're and about to it, make that uh, fourth pirate movie. Yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean. So, so and and the thing with this, and I'll share my screen with uh, with you because I'm I'm looking at it over here. Yeah, yeah, I just lost you on and, video, so I'm done now. I'm just looking at your stagnant mug, but I can't see that. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, it's a uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is a 2016 fantasy film, and directed by Warner Brothers, uh, a prequel of the Harry Potter film series. The film was produced and written by J.K. Rowling, and her screenwriting debut. And I'll give it a little bit of slack. Because there was, it was sort of interesting, but it just felt too long. And this is like the setup movie; it's setting up the whole universe, and that it's it it introduced the idea that there's different wizarding schools. There's Hogwarts over in the UK, and there's a school here in America in the. What is it? The 1800s, the late 1800s, I guess, or something like that. Yeah. So it's early America, and so they're going to introduce as the films go on Native American magic, and and there's a lot of mythology they can fold into it, and I think that's sort of cool. But this movie was a setup, and it felt sort of long and a little bit slow and sort of boring. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm sure we'll watch this when it comes out, and uh, for rent, and uh, yeah, but yeah, they haven't yeah. said it. Now we did go see the the what was it the uh, peculiar kids show, and they were the girls really liked that. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the thing for me with this is 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 uh, it's 1926, so it was in it's right before the war years. So maybe they'll do a Downton Abbey and roll through what the wizarding world was doing behind the scenes going through the first, uh, the Second World War, maybe. So who knows? Um, I, it, it was okay. And, I, you know, I went out and saw it over in Grapevine so it, at the Cinemark, so it was super cheap, like four bucks a ticket. So that's fine. Cool. But... It reminded me, I leaned over to, uh, I told my wife, I was like, hey, I know now why I'm okay with pirating stuff is because motherfuckers kicking the back of your chair all through the movie and 
seeing 20 minutes of Coca-Cola advertisements before the movie, fuck that. Didn't didn't make you want to get a tasty beverage? Oh my god, it's such a beatdown that you get there for one forty-five movie and you end up rolling out of that movie at four fifteen. Yeah, no, it's terrible. Jesus Christ, that is such a beatdown. I don't really enjoy it anymore. I'd rather just get a uh, a nice projector and just put it up on a wall in my in my house. Yeah, the uh, and we do you know the majority of that stuff. The big superhero movies the smash them up stuff we go to the theater and see and that's about it and star wars and star trek and stuff like that but uh the majority of that stuff we're watching at the house anymore yeah so um are you looking forward to rogue one next star wars movie? i am it looks it looks like it's going to be cool yeah and and here's what i hope they what i don't want um i'm okay with it being kind of a heavy on the action, light on the um, serious, like acting stuff, because those the originals were that, with the exception of uh, Empire. Like, but what I want them to do is like tell good, fast-paced stories that kind of feel like that same feeling that you got. I don't. I don't want them to overthink things, and I at least so far it feels that that's what they're doing, which. We want the blow you away special effects, um, yeah, and and kind of you know this world consistent feel, and um, I feel like I'm getting that. So I'm in a good space on those movies. I think. Yeah, uh, and I'm looking up right now. There, uh, I saw a video, and I meant to send it to you. There was a timeline for Rogue One, for where it is in the uh, in the canon. And let me see if it's out there. Oh yeah, the, dude, it was so difficult to explain that to the girls the other night, like where Rogue One falls in. And I just found the link for it, and uh, uh, it's 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 on YouTube. It's called Rogue One Two Minute Video on the Star Wars Saga Timeline. I'll put it up in the show notes so that you can copy it over. I'll put it right there, right now, because uh, do it. Because that's nice, that, that is the nice thing. Is that we are, we are discursing this live. So uh, I'll call it Star Wars. Hold on a second. Typing. Oh. Yep. So I- I'm excited. I'm ready for it. All right. You want to do some uh, talking, Walking Dead? Hold on a second. Boy, come on, man. You're like a eight-word-a-minute typer here. Oh, you linked that link went up pretty good. Look at that. Bold that. Thanks. Make sure our, um, you know, all of our syntax and everything is, is good. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm such, and people make fun of me at work for this because uh, I, I put things in like formatting, and I was like, dude, you're just sending an email out. <laughs> I was like, no, but I gotta format this. Shit. <laughs> Sorry. Must look perfect. So. The, uh, the the shakedown on where it and I'll scrub through this real quick uh, play that link um, and it takes place hang on a sec dun, 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 dun. I'm, uh, I'm over on uh, Skype watching you do that and then I'm like oh no I can't click on that 
that version of the show notes. Where'd you go, Star Wars? There you are. There you is. And I'm assuming the little red area that it happens after Revenge of the Sith. It's between three and four, basically. All right, it's playing. The fuck is this? The Phantom Menace. Yeah. So it's basically, and there is a huge swath of extended universe books out there in Star Wars, and so they have this this huge canon of treasure trove they have canon uh, and when people talk about okay what is canon what is the the bible of this universe is that that you talk about what's been established in the films and also what's been expanded out in the books and there's a huge series of books based on star wars yeah, so but Disney came out and Disney, said that Disney, Disney owns all of that, and they will fill in the gaps wherever they want. Rogue One is one of those gaps. Yep, but uh, Disney has made it very clear that no, nothing other than what's in the movies is canon. That they yeah. are going to break every like the books. They don't give a shit about the comics. They don't give a shit about if it's not in the movies, and they haven't directed it to be in the movies. It is not canon, and. Um, they say that now. N- neither the twain now. shall meet. Yeah. They well, they've already now. overwritten a bunch of stuff that would be official canon with the first movie, and we'll see what else they overwrite. Yeah. But um, and I get I get that, but you look at that all the content that they have that to draw from, they have literally another hundred years of stuff that they can draw from from the books and it because they own all of it, and they can. It depends on who's in charge at the time to change that that decision. Is that they have said this now, but all they have to do down the road, they could do VR stuff. I mean, yeah, but I think they're every, every everything they've said right now about what is canon and not. It's it's a moment in time, and ten years from now, that could all be gone. Yeah, but uh, I don't think that. I think that they're, it's a redo. They're going to change everything, and they don't want to reference anything that isn't in the films because that gives them carte blanche to do whatever they want and to sell new stuff. I don't think they're interested in any of the books. Um, well, they have to tease it out and introduce it to... Because that's the idea when you have a property that has uh, a long tail on it is that you want to monetize it. And... If they have extended universe stuff out there in the books and things like that, they will want to find ways to introduce it, whether it's in animated stuff that appears on the Disney Channel, you know, and things like that. They will find ways to to monetize that because the books have a, a certain amount of following, and so that's money. Yeah, so well, I think there's going to be extended canon stuff, that. but I think all that's gone. I, I, here's, here's a $1 bet that they will start monetizing that with all new material because they want people to have to go buy, rebuy stuff. So they're going to change all that and they're going to change up the stuff because the vast majority of people that are going to go buy this stuff today never read those books, never saw those comics. So they're not going to care. But they want the whole everybody well, I, to be forced did, to, did, to go out dis- and buy new stuff. I disagree with... I, I agree and disagree with that is that is that that is the whole idea of you want to make money off of stuff that 
has a certain amount of space out in the public and there is a a an audience that have read the the books so you will try to find a way to do that to 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 monetize on that to whether you take that whole cloth or you take that and sort of bend it into a new thing whether it's a, a, a tv animated series a web series um radio play you know like a podcast or something like that they will find a way to monetize that but and I, not, I think all that stuff's going to happen and not, and not reinvent the wheel because yep. you don't want to reinvent the wheel and if you have stuff that is out there that people who are rabid fans have read you want to cater to that right yeah, but that, those so. will i one dollar bet i don't think any of that's going to happen I think they're gonna. Uh, it, what yeah, will happen? I will take that bet because I, I, and that's a long. That's like a long bet. So we'll have to talk like twenty years. Oh, from trust me, you're that. gonna get 20, 20 years worth of links as these people get mad and write art blogs, art blog articles about how canon's being overwritten. All that stuff is gonna happen in, in terms of what you're talking about. There's gonna be all kinds of spinoff stuff, but. And maybe they, a tiny bit of that quote-unquote canon stuff that Lucasfilm was okay with calling canon is going to make it into this material. But I feel like this is going to... the 90% of all this is going to be brand new stuff because the the monetization piece is it's new. Um, a lot of people will bitch and moan, but they're still going to buy the comics. They're still going to buy the new books. They're still going to buy all that stuff. Um, I don't think they're going to retread much of this at all. No, and I, I disagree with that mainly because I think you're right to a certain extent, but I think they're going to uh, I think they're going to they're going to uh, mash up a lot of ideas that have been put out in the extended universe and find ways to weave it into a new storyline. But why would they announce that, otherwise? Which is all that Lucas. Did with all the serial yep. stuff from the so Lucas, Lucas isn't there. So why would they announce if there were if their plan was to do what you're saying? Why why would they announce otherwise and be super specific to say to every time they've been asked that there is nothing that's canon but what's in the films and we will do what we want. If you're if their thought process is like there's this extended universe stuff out there, um, why wouldn't they just say yeah we we love the extended universe we're going to find ways to utilize that material we're going to bring it in. That would be well. No, and I, I understand what you're saying about that. Is that, but um, you're talking about people that in a, in an executive position in a company that will roll over executives over a long term over say the next fifty years, and they're saying this now. But twenty years, the landscape may change, and they're like, "Man, we are going to mine all this stuff." And just use the shit out of it because it's theirs. And why wouldn't they do it? Because they don't want to. Because they're Disney. No, they don't want to. They're saying they don't want to right now. But when you're talking about 20 years from now, when a new executive group is there, everything it's it's you know it's it's a new landscape, and you have all this stuff to pull from. It'd be stupid not to pull from it. You're you're assuming that somebody's making a statement now and that's going to carry on in forever and that's not the way it works well is that you have all this stuff to pull from and it's not it's going to be well we have said this and it's never going to change ever 
forever. Well, so we, and that's not the way it works. Hang on here. Listen for just a second. They are already overriding the canon stuff. They can't come back later and then say, "Oh, our bad." Um, where we changed all this stuff up and this stuff no longer existed and we changed the storylines here, they can't come back and then reutilize that stuff because it's already going to be overwritten. That's, that is patently not a... I, I don't see how you can assume that just because they're saying that now is that they somebody down the road, when all these guys are gone, is going to change their mind because a corporation owns all this property there is always an upheaval in new executives and people and you're assuming that there is always going to be somebody there that is holding this this original statement that we are not going to upset canon that ha- shit happens all the time you look at comic books and they over the over the decades they fuck up shit all over the place because somebody comes in in new and they're like we have all this stuff. Okay, we're going to do this. It's all a mashup, right? Yeah, yeah, well... You're assuming that the statement they, they've made at this point is going to carry on forever. And that's ridiculous. Well, I, I'm just... It would be very strange for me for them to have, unless they do like the Star Trek reboot or any of this other stuff, which would be kind of crazy given how how the steam they have up on this to have cannons that were totally inconsistent and characters in one reality that aren't in another reality and things that happen in one reality there is there is there is such a rich universe of of stuff in all the properties that they own whether it's canon from the films or it's extended universe and they have that that separation it's called extended universe well so and maybe you, you're point, not arguing the same thing i i'm calling it canon means something specific and it means this is whether it it's something it's it's a fluid term that means something to the people who are using that term for a fictional property at this point so and it means then, nothing and then it it means nothing yes because okay then you're word, right because if the word doesn't actually have a meaning then i like neither one of us can have a no, it, it. no, it it has a meaning in the real world, but if you're talking about a corporate concern that 20 years from now there's different people in charge of this corporation in power, they could change that and say, "Well, I know what they said." It's just like politics. It's like, "Well, I know what those Republicans from the 80s said, but this is what I'm saying now." It's the same thing because all okay. they're really interested in is how can you blend your material that you have to pull from for a story and make money. So at a certain point, if they think they can make money by saying, eh, this is canon now, they'll do it. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about uh, the dead. Do you want to talk about the dead or do you want to talk about Westworld? Well, I don't want to talk about the dead in an extended format. Um, but, uh, cause we're at 43 minutes, but, I do, I am a little, like I knew they needed to back away, tell some human stories and some personal stories and all of that. What I'm really kind of like really just about this season is, and they've done this before, I I, I don't like all the one-off episodes, you know what I mean, where 
Yeah, yeah. The, the, you're seeing two or three of the characters in the whole episode, and there's nobody else is around. And I get probably production-wise, it's just really badass for them because they can have, like, essentially be filming four or five episodes at the same time because there's no overlap in cast. But it makes for really boring episodes. Yes. Is that they had this huge rush of this this resolution of what happened at the end of last season and then afterwards and I guess you could look at it at, that it's a setup they're setting things up they're setting things up of how things are going to work on for the saviors how things are going to work for Hilltop where Daryl's at where the leads are at uh, but yeah it's a little bit boring yeah, and I guess like I liked the Daryl alone episode I thought that needed yeah. to be that yeah. way but the, yeah. the other two episodes, and now that the other two episodes have been that same way where it's carving off these little pieces, I think they could have told those storylines and done some bouncing back and forth and done something with the continuity and, and amped it up a little bit. Because I feel like at the end of the day, these last couple of episodes have been really, really just straight away like episodes that could have been off of any run-of-the-mill TV show. Yeah, and that uh, especially there was a lot with this. Uh, it was a uh, season seven, episode six, where uh, looking at the, I got the Reddit page up right now, uh, and this thread is for serious, serious discussion. <laughs> so no one-liners, no jokes, <laughs> no mean. <laughs> um, but um, I liked. I didn't like. Tara, to me, is that she should have probably been killed in this episode because she come off she came off as such a little bit of a smartass. Mm-hmm. Her character is like, yeah, I probably would have killed you. <laughs> you know, it's it's it, it it was a little bit. It's we can't say unbelievable because we're talking about a fictional post-apocalyptic situation here. Is but it was a little bit unplausible. And they were trying to, that this is her character, that she is a little bit of a, but she was so smart-ass enough that I probably would have killed her. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't, I don't know. I, like, I thought the episode with with Carol and Dude was pretty boring. Oh, Ezekiel? Yeah. And this episode struck me like that. Yeah. And then um, the... I can't. What do you, whatever you call this all female colony from the last one um, right. was. I thought it had it had about ten minutes worth of interesting to it, and then it was just like, okay, she's gonna get away. It was really, and then the 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 end on the bridge thing was all shot like weirdly dramatic, and it seemed like almost one of those musical montages that a lot of like. Um, not so good TV shows use at the end of every episode, and yes, it just—I yes. don't know if it was um, di- the directors that di- I didn't look into this because I haven't had time this week. But the directors of the episodes were just kind of like yeoman people, you know what I mean? This—I don't know who Michael E. Strasmes is, who's who he is that directed Swear, but I mean, I watched them and I was entertained, but at the same time, I was kind of like me. Yeah, and it felt to me, and you know, as as much as we disagreed on the whole Star Wars stuff, which is 
it's like wow that was a great disagreement to have on something <laughs> is that as much as stuff that we agree on is that i am totally agreeing with you on all of this because this episode to me it was like filler it felt like filler yeah and after and obviously the but first it, it episode is a hard fill it up had, it, it had threads of 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 setup and i think it's it's easy to say filler on show on episodes and that's that's an easy like fallback but there were threads that they were they're setting things up hopefully to pack the end of the season for the train ride yeah and i agree but i what i i feel like coming off of that first episode and it being so visceral and so tense the tension and the life and deathness of this has really what's been missing out of these episodes for me and i realize yeah. they need to get yeah. some reconnectedness to it but i what i don't hey so what i feel like with uh, like you think of a hitchcock film right right what he was a master of was building tension so as you continued to move you got more tense and more anticipation and more tense and more anticipation and then when all that stuff you're talking about that they're setting up kicks into motion you're like wow this is fantastic but what I do, I just kind of feel like um, and uh, filler's not the right word, but as they're moving these pieces into place to tell the the last two or three episodes um, storyline that will probably be very dramatic and have all this stuff that we're talking about is missing. I feel like I wish they still would have found ways to integrate that tension and and feel like it's building. I just feel like it's the opening chess moves at a seventh grade chess tournament. And it's just not super thrilling to watch. That is a really super great a- analogy for it. <laughs> is that and and because I know we're gonna and we're running up on time, but uh, it's comparing the Walking Dead budget wise and thought wise, story wise against Westworld. Is that every episode in Westworld has me like. What the fuck? Well, and and I'm you know, I'm totally it, okay it, to transition it, to Westworld, it, but it's the tension that's there in all of those episodes of Westworld that yeah, there's no yeah. letdown. There's no okay. This is the downbeat episode. There is something in every episode that is driving the story, driving the action, and making things conti- the tension of the of the entire thing continue to build. Yeah. Um, the uh, so um, as you said. I think we can go on to our our new favorite thing, Westworld. Shiny object. <laughs> uh, and dude, it is so much more than than a shiny. I watched the uh, this um, this next episode. The, it's the next to the last episode. Uh, it is uh, the called the Well Tempered Clavier, uh, which is based on. And I put some uh, put some links out there for it. Um, it is, um, it was written by, uh, composed, the well-tempered clavier was composed by Johann Sebastian Bach, and it was 24 preludes, and it was sort of a, it was a keyboard thing for the time in which it was written. And... I can see why they named that episode that is that you think about the 
everything that happened in this episode, which was all of the, everything that's going on with that, it's like who is Bernard? Who is who is who is real? Is in the show at this point? There's one episode left, and it's like, is any of this real? Is everybody just robots just running on autopilot? Is turtles like we said previous episodes? Turtles all the way down, using that analogy. Is it robots all the way up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, uh, what uh, what I think, and I've, I'm actually as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go back and uh, rewatch this week's episode for Westworld because it was so fucking dense, and there was so I want to make sure that I totally understood it. Um, I know, and I've I've watched. There's been nine episodes so far. Yep, I think it's ten episode season. I've watched each episode at least twice and a couple of them three times and i cannot i cannot remember the last time that i've watched rewatched stuff yeah so i want to make sure that all the time jumps and the stuff that i i because I, <clears throat> I wasn't 100 percent focused when the show was on the episode so yeah, I, I all the family stuff yeah right? so yeah. i was uh sort of in it and sort of out of it but um the, I, I feel like I've got a decent grasp, but I need to go back and rewatch it. Um, everybody at work is on the Westworld Reddit, and all the Reddit heads at work are like, it's the best Reddit ever. But so what, what I think is really important, and this is what we were talking about at work today. We had an extended conversation about Westworld today at work. was around um, exactly what you're talking about, um, what, is, what is real and what isn't real. And... One of the big things that where physics is moving into the, the science of physics, one of the things that they're starting to, the, the physics philosophers and the, and the, the actual uh, scientists themselves are actually moving into um, the realm of, of uh, exploring consciousness and what is real, yes. what isn't real. And you hear a lot of physics um, guys talking about now, but uh, simulations and the odds are that we... It, the, the odds are in favor of us actually be us all being inside of a simulation as opposed yeah, to the being uni- the universe is a projected hologram and right well, there's that that's in, that's information theory in terms of like um, the holographic theory but where we could potentially be a, a, that a total farce in terms of simulation inside of a computer somewhere right yeah uh, everybody who's listening to the podcast I'm going to sit back for a little bit and let Brian just do a full riff on this because he's done a lot of stuff that we've talked about a little bit before, but I know this is a, a very particular interest of Brian's and it's very interesting to me, but I'm just going to sit back and let you roll for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So the, where, where I find this extraordinarily intriguing and it's, there's a lot of, and it's going to be, this is going to be an interesting show, like between seasons, to kind of go in and, and di- deep dive and do some unpacking, because there's a lot of talk, and, and especially if you listen to Ford and, and the when they're talking about the consciousness of the robots, um, the consciousness of human versus the consciousness of humans, how memory works in the robots and how memory works in humans. Um, 
for, for, for instance, here's a little riff on memory. So I was watching the Joe Rogan podcast the other day on YouTube, and uh, the guy who invented or did, uh, Dilbert, was on there. And he's kind of a... Uh, Scott, Scott something? Yeah, he's kind of a real... He smokes a lot of weeds, a lot of kind of, kind of a philosophy-type guy. And he's actually a, a, almost a wholeheartedly a wholehearted believer in that we are most likely in a simulation. Now, what, is it, what does that mean in terms of how you should interact and what you should do in terms of your life? It's absolutely nothing. The rules are still the rules and everything's still the same, whether it's reality or a simulation, right? So it doesn't dictate any difference in your actions. But um, one of the things he was talking about that was super intriguing was uh, around memory and how our memories work. And his uh, supposition was that uh, memories aren't archived. They're not there until you try to recall them. And then it, the, 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 the simulation writes that memory for you when you go to recall it, right? And that's why you can never remember things accurately. Your memories are always changing. You and I won't have the same exact memory of a situation because when our software goes to... And, and you can look at that in terms of software being computer software or software as our brain um, goes to uh, write that information. It writes it differently and then we recall it differently. Um, yeah. And Ford yeah. talked and to... The, there's a... And the, just to interject just really quickly is that there is a... There's a lot of stuff out there on on how um, how uh, eyewitness testi- testimony is so unreliable, and it used to be that it's like is like that's the like the gold standard, and now they're finding out that is so not the gold standard. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's terrible. But we, to us, it feels like being real when almost it never is. Our memories. Yeah, because we remember uh, a very fuzzy snapshot of something and then the storytelling part of our mind fills in information around it it's like the telephone game yep and so ford talked a lot about how and in this last episode uh, you know uh, how do they build the personalities and how they ground uh the the robots or cyborgs or the fuck they are um, in 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 a reality, in their own reality, and it's with the with these very super specific memories, and not a lot of them, but just key memories of their past that kind of uh, focuses and forges their personality, and that gives them a lot of backstory in their own head, and and kind of grounds them as to how they would act and react to things, and and one of the things you know in that all well, those flashback scenes is when how how much uh, Bernard wanted to protect those memories, even though he knew exactly at that point that they were fake and they weren't yeah. real. Yeah, and and they they talked a lot about it in that episode about um, that it was the the idea for the host was a cornerstone. This is like a central thing that everything revolves, and it's basically um, in psychology it's called a flashpoint memory. It's like a flashbulb memory right. to where something that is so like the Twin Towers. It's like um, World War Two, World War One, something that was such an emotional significance that it's burned in your memory. Because yeah. after after the, the you know the Twin Towers went down, you know, living around Dallas Fort Worth area laying out in the backyard that whole week after 
is that I was right in the flight, flight path of DFW. And there was no planes because it was all shut down. And it was the most surreal feeling in the world not to ha- hear these planes coming in every five minutes. Yep. And so, and so that's that's the whole idea of the cornerstone within the host with the, that type of thing. Yeah, so where they're really, I think, in, in some interesting ways, starting to explore, and they're doing it in a dramatized way in terms of what's real, what's not real, what's real memories, what's not real memories. Um, and, and, and a lot of the stuff that's kind of cutting-edge science right now and cutting-edge philosophy around consciousness and what what that means and how is our brain having these multiple layers of awareness right um processing all this information at one time um and and multi-layered and sort of communicating between these layers of of total consciousness to subconscious creates this thing that we call consciousness and um you know our reality and everything like that so one of the things that i was talking about at work as an example and, and sometimes this is a really difficult picture to paint but if you think in terms of reality and what you perceive around you right now like you have you know trillions of neutrinos streaming through you gravitational waves cosmic waves magnetic waves um so all this stuff is is going on around you but you don't perceive any of that and you just your brain has culled down this very very small segment of the information to create your reality at one at any one given time it doesn't mean that actually that's going on what's really going on around you or whatever it's just what your brain is creating at any one given moment um so i i think you know i'll be super interesting to see how they kind of push this envelope if you think about it in terms of the matrix the blue pill red pill do you want to go back into the matrix or do you want to be you know outside in quote-unquote reality um, uh, I think they're exploring that in a much more cerebral way as opposed to this very like everything is either not real or real and it seems like they are going to have kind of this mix of real and not real and it leave it up to the viewer to determine it, uh, on some of this stuff what is really going on and what is just within one of the robots consciousness or in Ford's consciousness. So I, th- I feel like as they go forward, they're really going to play with the audience on this real versus not real, this, all these versions of consciousness and the thought process around it. So I'm a super pumped and I've got to go back and watch that episode here pretty quick. Yeah. And I totally a hundred percent agree on everything you're talking about because um, the whole idea of, what is reality? I was, I remember a few years back is that I told a friend of mine and I work in, in the computer animation field is that I had this idea that stuck. I woke up early one morning and I had a dream that what if everything in my field of vision, everything outside of it that you know in the peripheral that you can't don't have focus on is just stuff that is not frame buffering and everything behind you is not refreshing you know the whole simulation idea and you know it's just you know one of those thoughts that you know you talk about matrix and stuff like that and it, it has stuck with me for probably about the last 10 years well if you I've look at doing, that from I've been, a, doing, I've been in the cg industry for like 20 years and it's like it's like 
it's not a invalid thought. It's like, you know, it, the whole talking about simulation ideas and things like that. It's like everything is like, okay, how much processing power does an advanced civilization, civilization have? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you don't even okay. have to go to that. I mean, what you're saying is already true. Like in terms of your thought process, like if you're not looking at something, something's behind you. Is it really being rendered, quote unquote, in it's, reality? It's, if, it, if a tree falls in the forest, does anybody hear it? You well, know? well, not no, not because of that, because of just the way quantum physics and works. Um, because, for instance, and and how do things communicate? Things communicate via uh, particles and radiation and stuff like that, right? That's how information is exchanged. So unless there is a quote-unquote observer, that being you, um, the stuff that you're looking at behind you or that is behind you that you can't look at, the photons, because you're not observing them, they never come out of the probability wave that they're in. They they are not there, and they are moving through as a a, a potential reality. But until you actually observe uh, it, it's then it becomes reality. Schrodinger's cat thing is like, is it? A, is the cat dead or alive? Well, no, it's not that because that's kind of that was like a really bad old school example. Like, um, it's it, there's four main theories that kind of go around the, the what's called a quantum wave collapse. Um, the, no, no reason to go into those, but uh, the the probability wave of any of these particles that are cascading around us. St- does not collapse into what you would call reality until it's observed, until there is an observer. So the there's no communication. What's behind you and what you can't see, what's on the other side of the universe, there's no communication that's real, quote-unquote, um, until it's observed. So you ob- actively observing it, creates that reality that didn't exist otherwise those those probability waves would not have collapsed unless you observe those light photons doesn't mean that information wasn't out there in cascading but, across the universe but, but it doesn't you, collapse you, into reality yeah well it's not something you can take a sample off of right so there's there's a lot of stuff around that and that's why i love all how kind of all this neuroscience and physics and the philosophy which there's a lot of philosophy and physics and they kind of make fun of each other um is <laughs> yeah. all co- kind of coalescing around there's just tons of really good books and articles right now on consciousness and that kind of is it they call it the quote-unquote hard problem and then i feel that that's what this show has chosen to be about um all these hard pro- quote-unquote problems around uh, consciousness and reality and what's 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 real versus you know what what could come down the road super interesting yeah. yes and i i think of all the shows that we have talked about and this is episode 49 this is the most interesting one of everything we've talked about because they were nine episodes in and you've used this analogy before is that peeling off the onion layers and it's really complicated there you have to go back and it it if you have a lot of people don't have this sense but if you have a sense is like i need to understand what's going on i'm going to go back and re-watch this 
and it's a to me it's a fascinating show. I can rewatch things and I can see different things every time I watch it. Yeah, and and there's also um, a really cool thing around this where I feel like you can watch this show on multiple levels. Um, yeah, because there's a couple at work and they're they're watching it, and one of them is the guys like us. He's a super analytical, very well read. Um, kind of loves all the connectivity between things, and he's watching this kind of how we're watching it, where his um, girlfriend is watching it just because it's a good show. It has a good story, you know, and I, and I think it works on so many levels where a lot of stuff that is really esoteric and and cerebral doesn't work on a good storytelling level. But I, f- I feel like this this show is working on so many levels that I'm just drawn in. It's so much so that I have to watch The Walking Dead first um, because I, when I have those taped and then go back and watch Westworld because if, if I watch Westworld like The Walking Dead right now is such a disappointment for me <laughs> that it's like, you know, the appetizer and then the main course. Yeah, dude. And I, I totally get that because when I was putting the show notes, I was like, I'm putting all the stuff in for Westworld and it's like, Oh yeah, Walking Dead. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's 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 to me the Walking Dead is is until unless they turn it around, is this season is like okay, it's just set up till the end, and I'll I'll see you at the end. See you later, guys. <laughs> right. It's like it's like I already get what's going on, and I think they need to refresh. They're like not have these filler episodes, which we've talked about the over the seasons. Walking Dead has had ebb and flow of like, oh, okay, hey filler. And it's it depends on where they drift off from the comic book to a large extent and who's the showrunner and stuff like that. Uh Westworld and it's just the first season, so it's it's a new love. But it is so amazing. I just I can't take my eyes off of it. You yeah, know? I mean it, it's, it's visually like, it's stunning. Like, not, it's well directed. I'm not paying it attention to any other show. I'm not watching Gotham. I'm not watching uh, the Blacklist. I'm not watching anything else. But I have to dial in and watch one or two or three times every episode. Of Westworld. No, I'm the that's same a, way. And like that's, and that's amazing. I'm down to two shows, and now I'm watching the Grand Tour. Now it's and I'm watching a bunch of documentaries because yeah. I'm not nearly as entertained by any of the other stuff that I can go watch because I know Westworld is coming, and I'm like, ah, I'm going to save up all this energy that I want to watch. I was trying to look up and see who's directing these, but but yeah, I'm the same way. I'm watching these two shows essentially, and um, uh then the rest of the stuff kind of pales in such comparison that uh, I'm like, I I was really dubious that this was going to be good or not. I thought it would be good, right? But I yeah. am stunned at, so far, the level of greatness. And obviously it's HBO. They've always obviously put a lot of money into it. Um but and they've you know and that's gone to spending for all that you know they got a great cast, a lot of effects. Um, a lot of sets. Good lord, all the sets that they that they've used. Um, 
it, it, it's fantastic. I'm right there with you. I, I'm not really paying attention to much stuff other than this. And I think that once this season is done, next week we watch our last episode, I'm probably going to have like 10 books to read that are going to be spinoffs of the stuff that they've kind of talked about <laughs> in the head. I'm going to have like yeah. 80 new concepts to learn. Cause I really, but I think that they've melded a lot of this stuff in there so well. Um, that they, they they you know have created the, the you know there's always every show kind of has the reality of that show, and they've done such a good job of. And I was the other thing too, man. I was watching uh, some of the the directing is is good but simple shots, but the the lighting and the music to this show are so good that it makes this air of creepiness or excitement or whatever. So I I think I think another thing you got to think about in this show where they spent a lot of money is the the directing and the camera work and um a lot of setups you know they got a lot of angles on all this stuff and then um high quality and it feels like custom created music for the episodes so uh i think they've gone full tilt on this man and i love it yeah and i i just cannot say i would say of over the the, you know this is episode 49 for us of all the shows that we've talked about is I could stop down on this show and say, this is the best show I have seen ever. Yeah. And, and I, I had, I think it definitely has that potential and potential potential is that if the, this last episode that's coming next Sunday, if it is like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. And then I, I could, I could just drop the mic and just say, this is the best season of any show i've ever seen ever right because i have gone back i cannot name any show i've gone back and watched as many episodes and sat there and thought about and thought about everything that you've talked about is talked about the uh the the physics of the universe talk about sociology talk about psychology talk about dramaturgy talk about what it is to be a person what is to be alive? Yep. What is, what is the Turing test? What is that? What is it? When do you? When is a person not a person? And and what, they the inter- have a thing that you've created that is in every respect is a person and that you can just kill. Right. You, and, you if think you think about, about it, the Turing series. test. They say that the robots pass the Turing test by the end of their first year of opening the park. I know, but if you if you think about that too, we you and I could just be things that pass each other's Turing test. That uh, well, all that seems real. Yeah, it doesn't seem fake to me. It's it's a it's a it's a very much a mind fuck, (laughs) right? It's like and because you're talking about stuff like this with that you talk about like authors like William Gibson that did all the cyberpunk and everything like that. And then his more recent stuff is more like near future. It's like, Oh, it's, this could happen. And we talked about this before on Westworld is that, Oh shit, this stuff is already starting to happen. And now we're seeing it. You know, they, the, the writers, they looked into things like, video games open world video games like uh, red dead 
Redemption, Skyrim, things like that. Uh, and it's like, oh shit. It's just a level of resolution before it's real. Right. And, and, and it truly real, is and, that. And, and the, uh, the uh, prurient interest of realdolls.com or <laughs> stuff like that. It's like, Let's it's like do well, it. that's what made VCRs take off is sex. You know? And yeah, it's like, there's a. And well, I, I, I don't know if you listen to this guy, um, to Sam, Sam Harris, but his. Uh, he has a podcast called Waking Up, and this week's episode is about artificial intelligence. And it's um, his guest on there, and I can't remember the guy's name uh, specifically, is around um, the who he's kind of written. He's been in artificial intelligence field for about 35 years. He's a professor, and he's written kind of the end all be all textbooks on artificial intelligence for all the uni- that all the universities read or utilize for teaching these these classes. And um, the the debate that they're having is Sam Harris is a very big alarmist um, for artificial intelligence because there's really kind of two perceived dangers there. There's this one like what can when when can we not tell the difference between them and us, and then how long does it take them if they're smarter than us to go in and design even better and better versions of themselves and and uh, you know quote unquote evolve at a um, you know. Uh, a, a doubling pace that you know over the course of five or six uh, iterations on them they've they've evolved you know a million years for what humans would take to do and so he's kind of an alarmist and um the other guy the, the professor guy is is too but not to that extent um and you've got uh, uh stephen hawking is very big in this as a artificial intelligence alarmist um they just had a big uh, convention that Sam Harris did a, a TED talk at, I think it was in South America about four months ago. That's gotten a lot of play with about the dangers and kind of the warnings of um, artificial intelligence and, and how we may find ourselves rapidly if we quote unquote achieve true artificial intelligence that we may find ourselves uh, rapidly replaceable uh, by whatever level whatever level of consciousness comes next. So this is all of this is so timely. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I I know what you're talking about is like okay we're sitting on what roughly seven billion plus people on the planet it's like okay we can have robo- robots and artificial intelligence do most like eighty percent uh, so uh, rich people say let's kill off the rest of these guys <laughs> well it's one of the one of the things they're talking about and there's like what do you do if you have you develop robots and they're so smart that they they do everything for us and we're just all sitting at the home house gardening and then you have this very thin veneer of ultra rich people and the other 99% of the world is taken care of because the robots do everything for us but at the end of the day we don't really provide any value i mean well, at what like, point do the rich people like, go kill them all well yeah you're talking about uh, it's a balancing point with the ultra rich is that do you have the universal income or fuck these guys? And I've got a 2,000 acre. I have an estate that's called Texas. Texas. <laughs> <You> <laughs> right. Know, it's like, it's like a, a, at a certain point. And people that and people do not understand. I think a lot of people in the general populace do not understand and they're starting to maybe see a little bit of it with this whole election thing is that if you have over a billion dollars you've got a lot of pull 
Yeah. Imagine, <laughs> you, imagine if one of these guys had a hundred billion or something. Exactly, and then you you end up like it's like Yahtzee, motherfucker, <laughs> and, then, and then it's like Domino, certain, Domino, and a, and it's like if you have unlimited or near unlimited resources, you can buy anything you want. And I don't care what people say about democracy and stuff like that. Is that if you have a shit ton of money, you can buy weapons. <laughs> so we're going to go back to video games, and then you can like drop bombs over Baghdad and fuck some people up. And then at a certain point, what are you going to do? You have to sit and take it. Yeah, it's like it's like oh shit, um, go Bernie Sanders. <laughs> And on all that on that happy note, man, we're uh, we're right on time. Oh, cool! The great episode. I liked I like it when we have a fierce discussion. Fierce discussion. Because I think I think you're fucking wrong on the whole Star Wars canon stuff, but well, that's what you get for thinking. Well, and and mostly just because it's hinging on what people are saying now, but twenty years from now. There's going to be a whole different regime in there, and they're going to say, I need to make money, motherfuckers. So. What about 50 years from now or 100 years from now? We'll be dead, so. Well, I know, but you still owe me a dollar. <laughs> um, <laughs> True. And with that, we uh, get ready for uh, next episode, uh, episode 50, the Big Five yeah. O. And that I think that's so fitting is that the Big Five O is the last episode for season one of Westworld. Ooh, the timing. Our, our new favorite shiny thing. It's kismet. <laughs> All right, man. Later, dude.